The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Welcome back. This is part two of our tradecraft analysis of the Bourne supremacy. If you missed out on part one of our analysis of the Bourne movies, there's a simple solution. You might want to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you can always stay caught up with us. Just in case you want to jump in right here, though, I'll give a quick recap. Someone in the CIA stole a couple million dollars some years back, and they want to frame Jason Bourne for killing a guy that was going to tell them about that. A failed attempt to silence Jason is what's going to drag him back into the whole spy versus spy bullshit that he tried to walk away from. We resume here with discussing the tradecraft of how Carl Urban's character arranges the frame job in this episode of Spies Like Us. Carl Urban kind of does this weird thing where he places demolitions. They don't really explain what it is until later, but it looks like some sort of electrical things that cause a power outage. Right. Uh, what he wants is the power outage so he can go in and do the hit. Um, but he, he places two explosives and one of them fails to go off. And But somebody figures this out later, right? which is fine. But, um, you know, I mean, this is his play to make sure that they end up finding a fingerprint so that they go off chasing Jason Bourne and think that that's the target, Uh, which is really clever. But I want to quibble. I want to say I don't understand where he would have got that fingerprint. Um, And I don't want to spend a bunch of podcast time, like, trying to theorize on the different ways he could. I just think, like, that's a... Uh, kind of a loose thread in the sweater. Uh-huh. More specifically, I don't think fingerprints actually work this way. I, I don't. I know you can take a piece of tape and pick up a fingerprint. I don't think you can use that piece of tape to plant a fingerprint. And even if you could, I fucking know that the cia could tell the difference between <laughs> I, I really do i really right, do right between a real fingerprint and one that was taped on um i you know it's fine for the for the story uh it's minus five points for the plot if if i want to quibble which is what this podcast is all about and that's why it gets my todd's worst tradecraft number two for the yeah supremacy <laughs> Uh, but I mean, they do get plus spy points framing Born because uh, this is their 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 big plot to cover everything up because the heat's coming on because there's a new informant. It's a great play. It's a great diversion. Yeah. Um, did the Russians really know about Born's like kind of a cave that he was living in in India type of thing for a long time, or did? They figure it out somehow. They didn't really explain how they knew where he was. Like, let's take two theories, right? Like, either the KGB has known where Bourne was for a long time Uh and just chose not to do anything about it. I mean, I could see why they wouldn't choose to do anything about it. Let him live in India, whatever. Theory one falls apart a little bit, only if the CIA had any interest in following up on where Bourne was, if the KGB could find him, the CIA could as well. I think. Oh, absolutely. Theory two is that they, uh, you know, had to work fast 
here, you know, like they just found out about Pamela Landy's operation. They're like, holy shit, we got to do something about this. And so they, you know, very quickly, like, cock up this plan to uh, frame Bourne and then kill him, in which case they've also got to find him really fast, which means in that case that he was easy to find. Right. Which which is the whole point of him going to India in the first place was to not be found. So I'm not really sure how they would have picked up on it. And I don't think we're shown that at all. Once Carl Urban does get to India, uh, it, it, it annoys me only slight, only let's say only on the seventh watch of the movie. It yeah. does it annoy me, <laughs> but it's pure random chance that he spots Carl Urban on the street. It easily like, could have gone a different way where Carl Urban had gotten the drop on Bourne uh, instead of the other way. But then we don't get that cool car chase, which oh, alludes yeah. to the other car chase. Yeah, we have you to. You know, because Bourne loses the first car chase and then uh, Urban loses the second car chase, you know. I really like uh, cutting through the field because, you know, the vehicle that uh, Jason and Marie in, are in. Uh, can handle that, but not right. the Hyundai that uh, Carl Urban is driving. Right. But uh, also, like, I love the way he adapts so quickly to right. that situation uh, and immediately, you know, just sees the, the situation. I, I would say also, too, though, like, weird thing, you know, Carl Urban is badass in this movie, right? Absolutely. He's super portrayed as being almost Bourne's equal. Yeah. Which I feel kind of undercuts the whole, like, backstory of Treadstone having created these quote-unquote super agents. Uh Uh-huh. You know, unless, I don't know, unless Russia has its own, like, version of Treadstone. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like... You know, ignore that possibility. I wouldn't rule that out at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely plus five points for Carl since he, he clearly did his homework on the geography. And when he gets cut off by the car situation that his car can't go through the field, he immediately knows, like, where they're going, the only place they can go. And he's got a sniper rifle ready to, uh, um, you know, cat, catch him at the bridge, you know, if he can't. Uh, get close to him, which probably would have ended badly for him to right. Uh, if right, he but had with... actually caught up with Bourne and got into the close combat with him, right? I, I, I think Bourne would have come out on top there. Oh, absolutely. But what's cool is like from the cutoff, he pulls out a uh, a bag with his sniper rifle, and the bag is like the same color as his shirt. Yeah. Uh, definitely plus spy points for that one. I, I really like that little detail. Uh, you know, because, you know, he also needs to blend in. Yeah. And, you know, when he's walking up on the bridge to, to see if if Bourne's going to pop up out of the water or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he can he can stand there. He's just a he's just a tourist with this cocky shirt and this cocky colored bag over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, like Rod, Roger Ebert had mentioned that uh, one of the funny things this is weird. Like Roger Ebert's given minus five points uh, for the film in his review for the fact that Jason is wearing the exact same clothes everywhere he goes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's making no attempt to disguise himself at all. Yeah, like on the train uh, later in the movie. He's on the train and like his passport. Like the train uh, op 
guy, the wait, the what are those guys called that check your tickets and your passports? What they weren't given the born picture like the entire country of Germany was or something, like you know. Uh, versus like in the Americans where they have to get on a train, they completely disguise them. Well, they disguise themselves throughout the whole show, but, but, you know, they're confirming the kill, uh, you know, the, the, he stood there and watched and nobody came out of the water. I mean, it, it reminds me of like the Disney's Robin Hood where like Robin Hood had to like hide under the water, but I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, uh, he, he should have gone back to Bourne's house to like clear stuff out or find information. I mean, Bourne's obviously not going to go back to the house. I think that's where the minus five points there come from. Yeah. But, um, I I guess we had to get on to, like, everything else, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's perfectly fine for the story. We're just here to to pry around the edges. Yeah. (laughs) So here, I do, I'm going to quibble also about, uh, uh, Pamela Landy being described as the deputy director mm-hmm. of CIA. She is listed as such in the wiki. You pointed out it was Nikki uh, in the tunnel be- below Alexander Platz, uh, that where she first identified her as a task force chief, but then a moment later does say she's the, direct- the deputy director. Yeah. There's a few reasons I don't think it makes sense. The fact that she needs to go to the director and ask for level five SCI access, uh, secure compartmentalized information. I, I feel like it's weird. I don't know exactly all the exact details of how the deputy director and the director of the CIA interact, but I don't think that she should need to be going to the director to get this kind of access. She seems more like a capo. In, in like a kind of mafia situation than a deputy director, secondhand man type or woman in this case, uh, uh, where she needs to get that kind of access. More damning, I think, is the way that Brian Cox uh, talks to her in general. Uh, you know, like when she, in their first meeting, he says, like, this is way above your pay grade. Who is he to tell her that. Right. Uh, that is a very good point. And um, later, and later he says like, you want my desk, huh? <laughs> so, so, and he's that, not the director. Right. There might be other departments involved that she has to get uh, requests like that for. But I, I think you, I think she is the deputy director. And I think the movie did not do a good job in doing its hierarchical research. Some mistakes were made somewhere. Yeah, yeah. like like some some <laughs> some some of these things don't go with the others. I, I want to close out that part of it by uh, saying, you know, uh, well, in two thousand four, there had never been a female deputy director of the CIA, which uh, you know, that's points for my case, right? Couple couple of little points. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody is in the theater saying like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> right, right. Are those one of those icebox moments that uh, Hitchcock uh, talked about? Yeah. <laughs> right. Wait a minute. There's <laughs> never been a woman. <laughs> wait, this is supposed to be 2004? Yeah. Hold on. What do you take me for? I want my money back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think that's the situation. But yeah. we, we have had uh, two 
deputy director, female deputy directors by now. Uh, the first was Avril Haynes, appointed by uh, Obama in 2013. Uh-huh. Uh, Gina Haspel was the second, appointed by Trump, and she is currently the director of the CIA. Oh, is she the first female director? She is the first female CIA director. So, wow. Say what you want about Trump, but <laughs> he. he is responsible for breaking that particular glass ceiling. There's probably those like super classified documents that have probably been just, and I'm sure there's been documents destroyed at some point or lost or misplaced or whatever. Oh, well, sure. Well, who knows? Like, you know, she says she needs level five access. Maybe, you know, some of the treadstone stuff is level, level 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like level S or whatever. You know, uh, and maybe that's where Abbott is. He's maybe, he's maybe. in like the special division where it's not in the like public hierarchy or something. Very possible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's so secret it doesn't have a level. Ooh, level infinity. It's got level nine thousand. <laughs> so. <laughs> Bourne's, uh, you know, love is murdered. Uh, he knows somebody in some intelligence uh, capacity is responsible for it. He, he's in the middle of India in some beach town, like laying low. He's made his threat in Bourne identity. They, they still come after him. Now it's time for him to, like, come back at them. And how does he do it? The first thing he does is walk into an airport and hand his passport with his name at the airport security, which, like, as we discussed earlier, this omnipresent, um, uh, you know, uh, like, network of information that, like, raises red flags everywhere, you know, uh, gets set off. So he specifically shows up to the airport and goes, hey, guys, guess what? I am in this specific place right specifically now and come and get me. It's just a tiny, tiny blip on yep. the global radar, but he knows that that's enough to, to, because he knows again, he doesn't have any information. He needs information. How's he going to get it? He's going to have to use the machine against itself. Right. Which, yeah, exactly. Which is what he does. And he gets pulled in to like a holding room and Bourne's like full on stonewalling him, you know, like doesn't say a word, just stares off into space. He's still trying to quiet. Then a phone call comes into that guy, you know, and that guy answers and it's, and the, the, the guy's talking and Bourne's listening to the conversation, the phone, as soon as they finish the conversation, Bourne fucking rips the phone out of his hand, knocks him out, fucking like pulls out like a chip from the phone, which is probably like a SIM card or whatever, hooks it up to his own little thing to his own phone, you know, and then like busts out of the building or takes that guy's car keys, busts out of the building, uh, finds that guy's car, then replaces the plates, drives out. And now he has traced that phone call, um, which uh, gets him. He, he now has Landy's name and phone number. Right, and um, he's done. He's done more than that. What, whatever it was with his little chip that he did, he like cloned the SIM card so that uh, whatever is going through to that call, like, will also come to his phone. 
Right. And and so when they call back, he can listen into the conversation. I don't so know like, if I don't know if that technology actually exists, but it's plus it's plus spy points. Yeah, my, massive plus spy points. The whole thing about him going from zero information to, you know, where we're going, where he has the great scene where he's, you know, got the sniper rifle and he's right on top of them. Right. Uh, you know, it goes in two parts. And this is part one right. of that. And uh, part one, like like you just said, I mean, crazy plus spy points for all of the shit that he's doing. I would love to have fit it into my top three, but I feel like I can't. Because I think my number one worst tradecraft is them taking it, him into the interrogation room without searching his bag or relieving him of all this spy stuff. I mean, they would have found, if they had, just for instance, right, they would have found some very suspicious stuff, in, including, a fake, including a fake license plate. Yeah, collections of fake passports, stacks of cash... Uh, I don't remember if he brought his pistol with him. Uh, well, that's one of the things that do bugs me is where he gets these firearms from. But whatever. Uh, he, gonna... yeah, no, I got that. I got that one. Uh, he switches his bags uh, at the airport. He switches uh, when he gets between phase one of this operation and phase two. He goes to the airport to a locker. He puts in the bag that he just used for phase one and pulls out another gear bag for phase two. Oh, so he kind of has stuff inside of borders wherever he needs to be, right? Plus, that, plus, plus spy points. I always love that kind of shit. But, you know, the, the, the fact that he didn't check his bag, look, he just walked into an airport, an international airport, and pulled up and got flagged. So they immediately pull him into a room. Right. And, you know, all they know at this point is person of interest they don't know yet until he gets the call from landy that uh you know this is a priority one target armed and dangerous i mean right. that's, that's when he gets that information that born says it knows that it's his time to act right you know and so there's that standpoint that they would have just brought him into the room immediately and figured stuff out but on your side i don't think the interrogation would have started until they searched his bag it could come down to uh, Ital Italian law. Maybe Jason Bourne chose this particular Naples location uh -huh. to become a blip on the screen because he knew what the procedures were in Italy. And it also wouldn't be surprising because, you know, the EU in general uh, has a lot more protections against, you know, search and seizure and takes, uh, you know, personal privacy much more seriously than we do currently in the u.s i like to think of jason Bourne as someone that even if they had searched his bag he also had a plan for that remember he's got to do something here right his right because he's got no information right whatsoever and he's got to narrow down the information so even if they had found the stuff in his bag and he wasn't able to pull out this power play, maybe there's another play that he had chess like like down the line. Right. That's what I that's what I like to think. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I, 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 I feel you on like when the hero wins because of like one thing. Uh, you know, and I, I have a few things to say about that later. I don't know. I'm fine with it if the hero has no choice but to try this. Right. 
which is, I feel like is the case here. Right. But I, I just I don't like it when, uh, you know, in so many movies, I feel like the hero puts everything on the line to take this huge risk uh, just because they basically know that the scriptwriters got their back. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, what's it called? Plot armor. I think it's like call, <laughs> right, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They call that that's what they call it like in anime is the plot armor. Where like that's, that's like a they, great term. Yeah, the, the hero just can't lose because of the plot armor. Um and I think that, that that's such a great term for what we were talking about before, about like uh you know, just comparing Bond and Bourne and Ethan Hunt. I feel like I feel like Bond and Ethan Hunt are wearing a shit ton of plot armor. And and Bourne really just doesn't feel like he is. It exists. I'm not right. saying I'm not saying the plot armor isn't there. Right, right. But but you know you gotta you 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 can do a movie where it's very obvious. Oh, I see. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I see what you mean. Like it's, it's not screaming in your face the whole that, time, right? Yeah. You know, from what I've seen, I haven't seen all. I haven't seen. I've seen a couple of Fast and Furious movies, but I think that those guys are like just plot armored up like motherfuckers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine, you know, if you just want that thrill ride and you want that roller coaster of a movie, that's fine. I, those those movies are great. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just right. a different style. Right, and right, I think right. I think that Jason Bourne's plot armor is at least like uh, there attempt, there are attempts to disguise it. The second part of of Bourne's master plan to go from zero information to fucking full information on what's going on is uh, where he uses that uh, hacked cell phone to isolate Landy's. Um, well, isolate exactly who Pam Landy is. Uh, at the airport, he's at a payphone and just starts calling like shishi hotels until he, you know, finds one that says, "Yeah, Pamela Landy is staying there." And then he just shows up to the hotel, calls her phone on his cell phone, and then she uh, hangs up. Or he, she answers, he kind of hangs up or whatever. And then, oh no, he calls the room. Asks for Pamela Landy. They transfer him to her room. Then he walks up to the desk and asks the, uh, what was that? The concierge to, to dial her room. And uh, she dials the number and he sees her dial the number. And that's how he got her specific room number. He could always just walk up to the desk ask them to dial the room and get that information, get the room number. Right. That would, that would be fine, right? Right. But what, what would be the problem with that if he didn't also tie up Pamela Landy's line? They would, they would say, hey, there's a gentleman here for you, and she would be alerted to the fact that somebody's looking for her. Plus five points. Much That's my number one five. bet. That's my number one best, Tradecraft, right there. And it's, it's, it, I, I, I love that move. Um, and now he's got her and, uh, completely knows where she is, who she is and can, can watch her. But I gave this my number one spy points, my, my number one best spy point or my number one best tradecraft. Uh, 
I want to go over the entire thing from Naples to here. Let's uh, hear it. And not specifically the chain of events, uh, but the fact that he bid his time um, and each step of the way, he got more and more and more and more and more information. And in a typical movie that you could go out and see anywhere, it doesn't matter if it's a spy movie or an action movie or whatever, in a very typical movie where the, the, the hero finds the guy, right? The first thing they're going to do is kick down the door and stick a gun in their face. And I was the whole time watching this movie waiting for that moment. And it never came. This entire trail of leading up to Pamela Landy and finding her hotel room and then not doing what we see in a movie where he's just going to like be a desperado and start guns a blazing, you know, like, who are you? What do you want? Who do you work for? You know, no. What does he do? He fucking finds out where their headquarters are, sets up like a, a, a sniper post like on a building way the fuck somewhere else. And then, and then calls her while he's got scope on everybody in the room. That's what gets my number one best. Just the lightning speed with which he goes from zero information to full information is just disgustingly fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, it was like, it was so exciting to sit through. I really enjoyed like every minute of it. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He's, he's figuring out the pieces on the board before he makes his play. And his first initial play isn't really the passport. His passport is getting the information. His first initial play is opening up negotiations on a rooftop with a sniper scope pointed at everyone in the building. Mm-hmm. But this is what leads into my number one worst. Uh, uh, Testify. <laughs> Uh, we, we talked about the big machine and the capacity of this big machine and the big machines omniscience. This is a very capable intelligence agency with like a network all over the world. They, they're not going to have their entire team sitting on top of a corporate building in front of windows, like broad open windows to where everyone on their team could be identified. Like, and, 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 and it, it just really like, like it's just everywhere to see. I don't think this is something that one realistically would happen uh, in real, in real life. I don't think that team would be sitting on top of a giant building in front of the windows where like any sniper could pick them off. Cause I like, I like that you, you in previous discussions, you compared this to the uh, most wanted man team and their headquarters, which had no windows, none, like, and they're like in some warehouse, <laughs> which fuck, is completely who unseen. Knows who the fuck knows where that under underground bunker is? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, like for like, like even if you're gonna like go corporate level, like buy some fucking like shades or something, you know. Get get some like tinting on your window, like like for fuck's sake, like simple stuff. Tinting is is <laughs> an easy one right there. Right. But yeah, I love I love the idea of uh, you know Jason Bourne playing all his, his, his cool shit through Naples and and doing all his moves and following Pamela Landy, and he finally gets there and they they just like pull the shades and he's like, oh fuck, these guys are 
good. <laughs> like, God damn it. You know? My whole my whole plan is fucking shot by yeah. by Venetian yeah. blinds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then at that point he would have to like watch everybody coming out of the building, or just like completely tail Landy for like whatever, or like he, you know, re- realistically he would watch everybody coming out of the building. He probably would have spotted Nikki and Abbott for sure, right? The the rest of the team he probably wouldn't have been able to. Oh, like, he wouldn't together. have spotted Abbott because at this point he he knows nothing about Abbott. I think that's important. Oh, I thought he knew Abbott from. Nope, 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 nope. Oh. Nope. He had okay. only been he had only been handled by Conklin, uh-huh. and he never sees or gets any information about uh, the Brian Cox character uh-huh. up until this point. He has no idea yet, which I think uh, we're, we're uh, got a quibble on a little bit later. Right, but, uh, <laughs> but he does, but he does, and this is like uh, you know something that just kind of slightly falls into his lap. I mean, yeah, he he already has a plan, as we know, that he's going to make contact with someone. Right. Um, Probably noticing that Nikki is in the room, because that is someone he does know from the first movie that is involved with Treadstone. Right. And and so asking for her to be... Uh, the person that he's going to meet makes sense in in a lot of reasons. This made your best number two and my best number two for that reason. Uh, I, I think she's probably one has information and she's probably the most reliable source of that information because she was servicing, you know, in a capacity to help people with problems. And she had a lot of information that was pretty sketch, you know, and but she was like helping these guys, you know, so she probably had some amount of empathy for these people so this is his like best contact right and also you know out of the people that you could pick to ask uh meet with you like at the very least i'm 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 not a hundred percent sure but i think he knows that she's a junior agent and someone that he can like easily manage like imagine if you know he just asked for like you to send just someone and they send fucking they're like okay we'll send carl urban yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, right? not what you, that's not what you want right 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 the, I, um, I think it was a good setup writing wise as well because they they had known she had the uh well we're talking team cia um that they had known through treadstone you know files uh, landy had figured out the treadstone files that she had dealt with a lot of these guys and she probably had keen insights into uh born's persona or psyche and would be a great asset. And so she was brought in on a team. So I think writing-wise, this was a really good setup. Sure. And uh, uh, do, you, do you mind if I spoil a little bit of uh, uh, Ultimatum for you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Nikki and Bourne were actually like involved with each other romantically before his amnesia. Oh. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Oh, so that might have, like, uh, subconsciously snuck up on him. Like, this is a person I really can trust. You know, because Ultimatum is really about when he actually finds out who he was before Treadstone, and uh-huh. and, sh- and and she was part of that. Right, and, uh, yeah, but th- that's really good writing on their part for the third film, that they backtracked and paid attention to make sure the pieces fit. I think so. Now, the way that he 
gets her. I mean, I, you know, obviously, like, you know, they're putting a piece of bait on the hook and they want to catch him, you know, the fish. You know, that whole, like, uh, uh, way that he does that with the trains and, and the big demonstration comes in. Yeah. Before he calls Pamela Landy, he saw the posters on the walls with the date uh, of the time of the of the demonstration. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's so, really cool. So he didn't just pick the place. He picked the place and the time that he knew would become unexpectedly chaotic. I mean, it's plus five points. I'm also folding that into my number two best. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't I didn't catch that. That was a good I, catch. I only caught it on like my seventh watch of the yeah. movie, so <laughs> you, you can be excused. Yeah. Brian Cox is an interesting one. Uh, it, like you know something's up, and he's actively just from the dialogue, he's actively trying to avoid certain topics. And I think he played it really, really well. Especially like he was like, hey, "You keep talking about like you read this stuff in a book." You that's know. one of my. That's one of my favorite lines from this movie. It's 100%. a. It's a great line. It's Brian a, it's Cox. A great Brian line. Cox is fucking awesome. He's not giving away too much information. I, I wanted to sum up my plus buy points for him in his last play is uh, to. You know, and he fucking Brian Cox is so good, you know, like just fucking charging across the office, you know, when he's having this argument with Landy about this and just pointing his finger right at her and saying, like, you know, you're believing what, what you're hearing, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, he also said that, you know, you're in charge of Treadstone. He knows you're after him. And in the sense of self-preservation, you might want to start with that. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and that's, right. they're getting close to a place he doesn't want them to be. So this is the final play. It's like, this is his Hail Mary attempt at her. And it's, might, it's not you, like blatantly. If you, keep, yeah. if you keep doing this, you might die. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, just stay away. And it's not like overtly, he's not making it overtly obvious to Pamela that he is trying to hide something. And this yeah. whole time he's been undermining her, you know, he's he's been CIA mansplaining, like, everything yeah. to her, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I think there's some major minus spy points here. Because um, they could have just let it fall on Conklin, because Conklin was already dead. It's missed opportunity right. spy points. Um yeah. They they clearly don't know any better unless like we talked about unless there's more in the files that uh, you know my assumption was she knows everything you know because she got level five access but mm -hmm. who knows maybe there's level ten access like we talked about I mean again that is his first meeting in there so uh, at that point maybe he still thinks like he can just like shove it all under the rug right he doesn't realize just how deep the waters are. So that's well, why I don't... he also mentioned that he was close to retirement. So he might be, you know, just like, uh, just get this out of the way so I can leave, you know, like I'm done. I got my 20 mil. I'm ready to retire. In a perfectly clear thinking Brian Cox with all the information at his disposal, he could have realized that uh, he could just let this play out and not fuck around with it. Uh, even if they were to get to Bourne, Bourne doesn't 
know anything. Well, of course, uh, Brian Cox doesn't actually know what Bourne knows, does he? He's not... They don't exactly know all the details of his amnesia. They don't know how deep his amnesia goes. Right. But I'm sure he assumes that he knows everything or enough to implicate him. Right. So in that case, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely don't want to give him minus spy points for uh, uh, just letting it all play out. He knows what he doesn't know. And what he doesn't know is what Bourne knows. Right. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's got to, like he said to Pamela and he like, tie it off. Just tie yeah. it off. That's yeah. all he ever does. <laughs> tie right. it off. Yeah. She goes bad, you just kill everyone and tie it off and shut up and never talk about it again. Right. And retire in a year. But I, I do want to talk about my number three worst. The guy, uh, I don't remember his name, but the guy that was under Abbott. That was uh, Conklin's assistant. He's the one that figures out that uh, the explosive devices on the electrical piping were obviously an attempt to frame because the second one that didn't go off, the pipe it was attached to wouldn't actually do anything. And then that's the one that has the fingerprint. Um, and it was made to not go off. You know, this probably was re- the dialogue about uh, how he felt about Conklin, like being loyal and to the cause and stuff why he would have trusted Abbott, but it, I, I don't know. It, it kind of bugged me. So this is kind of a shaky note. That's why I made it my number three, because it's kind of shaky, but like this is what ends up getting him killed. Sure. I, you know, I, I give him plus spy points for figuring out that the bomb didn't make sense. Right. I don't Especially since give... if they're going after Bourne, somebody in that team should have been like, why would Bourne leave a fingerprint? Especially after Nikki made a big point about they don't ever do anything at random. They always have a plan. Like, well, somebody should have been like, well, why the hell was his fingerprint there then? There shouldn't have been any fingerprints. I'm, I, I can sit down and definitely, like, just watch a movie for what it is. Yeah. You know? uh, but, you know, this, this podcast is about teasing out these little details yeah <laughs> it's dude it's it's fine like the fingerprint has to be there otherwise we don't have a movie right right <laughs> you know he he checks into this really nice hotel that a diplomat would have stayed at and um gets a specific room number and then it, that's taken so he gets the one across the hall he breaks into the one across the you know this triggers a huge police invasion. They got to pull po- people out of the rooms. They bring like the SWAT team or the Berlin SWAT team, whatever they're called in, in, and, uh, he's, you know, he now has to go through this whole it's a play. fun action scene. Yeah. It's a really, it is a fun action scene. It's a fun action scene. And, and, and that's probably why he, the, like from a writing perspective, it's important. Um, but I don't think Bourne would have done something like this. Um, I think he probably would have found some way into that room without checking in. Uh, it's not that big of a deal as, you know, I I put it as my number two worst. Um, but for the story, it was really important because we have to explain like writing perspective. We have to explain the amnesia and his first hit is a big deal. You know, the more we do this podcast, the more we see that sometimes the plot Sometimes the plot just has to take a bullet for the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him visit him visiting the hotel, that's story. 
it's not plot. Yeah, and that that's what kind of really develops his character. So I'm like not super angry about it, but like nitpicking from a more objective standpoint, I think it was a bad idea for him. And I don't think either I don't think he either he wouldn't have gone to the hotel or he would have found a way into that room without checking in and getting his face looked at by everybody. Even after watching this movie as many times as I have, I am still not exactly sure uh, how Bourne ends up in Cox's, uh, Brian Cox's office, uh, you know, in time for him to record the conversation between him and Gretkov. Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't seem like there was any like actual connective tissue to that, but you know, it's 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 fine. Like the movie has accomplished its goal as a story so right. far, <laughs> and it's just basically time for us to you know, you know, get out of here. And and as Brian Cox would say, if he was a scriptwriter, tie it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's minus five points for the film. Uh, you know that that's a missed opportunity, but. Yeah, this is one of those details we I, I don't particularly care about. It right. doesn't it doesn't undermine the story at all. Right. Uh, we get you know, and then of course we gotta we gotta get our action scene. We gotta get our fucking car fight, you know, between Carl Urban and and Bourne. And this is another thing the Bourne films brought to us is fucking great car chases. <laughs> oh my god. Did the Bourne films elevate this part of the genre? Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah, uh, I I kind of I mean, well, the car chase was fun because he goes after like, you know, um, you know the 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 other guy. He he's the Bourne's the one that really ties up the knot, so to speak. But. Um, I, I felt like after Cox like kills himself, it, it, the story kind of lulled a little bit. You know, he goes back to find the daughter of the parents he murdered. You know, um, so it, it, I don't know. It, it kind of lost me towards the end. Uh, but that car chase scene was great. <laughs> it was it was nice for him to get some closure, but. Yeah. Oh, with visiting with visiting the daughter. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's that's that's really. Uh, I mean it's weird, and I'm happy that he's getting his closure. I, I feel like there's some way he could have done it without scaring the shit out of that girl. But like he says, like you know, she's been told a story that her mother killed her father and then killed herself, and that's got to be its own kind of trauma, right? That she's right. carrying around, and. He's thinking, or at least that's what he says, like, you know, I, I would want to know the truth. Right. And, you know, he's man enough to say, I did it, and I'm sorry, and I can't take it back, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's, that's really, that's, that scene is really hard to measure Yeah. as far as who's getting how much out of it psychically. Right. What's cool about his apology, though, is he doesn't go, hey, I went through amnesia, and hey, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, he basically... Right, like, he does, yeah, he doesn't make any excuses, which is which is wonderful, I think, for the for the character. But 
Whatever. Still a great movie. I enjoyed it. Agents, please report for debriefing on this operation. The director will see you now. So, Treadstone is, to me, it's, it's the fantastic element in the, in the movies. Right. Like, I, I don't think Treadstone is, is realistic whatsoever. Let's compare it for a moment to La Femme Nikita, where we have this uh, agency that, you know, their whole plan is like, oh, we'll uh, find some heroin-addicted nihilists and so have nothing to lose, and they're facing the, the death sentence unless they play ball, and then let's turn them into super assassins. Right. That's pretty <laughs> fucking fantastic, right. in my opinion. <laughs> you know, you know, when I use the word fantastic, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying, like, fantastic! You mean, like, fantastical. I like, I mean, I like the fact that these movies don't really let that element intrude too far into our appreciation of what Jason Bourne is doing like it's just it's just there in the background um it kind of feels like a specter thing uh but it also has that like deep state thing which is way more modernized than specter but it also kind of had this looming specter feel even though specifically they state in the film that Treadstone had been like uh shut down Uh you know it's it's just kind of there in the background I think of Spectre as like Cobra, you know, that G.I. Joe is eternally fighting against. Right. And, right. you know, it's just always going to be there. It's all, you know, we can foil their plots here or there, but like Hydra, you know, it'll sprout out like different arms and it'll always be there for an enemy for you if you want to be a franchise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and make 12 <laughs> or 25 fucking movies. Right. Fighting the same enemy over and over and over, and the right. audience is never going to say like, "Hey, wait a second! Like, yeah. shouldn't someone have won by now?" Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like in real life, there's a lot of stuff like that. What I really liked was uh, Matt Damon's statement about uh, how Born's amnesia is America's amnesia. Like, we forgot who we are. And I think it's mainly because of the dirty underwear that America had um, and that has been coming up and is constantly shoved in our faces. It feels like a lot of things in the zeitgeist, you know, of American thoughts about what we're doing and our place in the world involved a loss of a, a defined enemy. Mm-hmm a loss of, you know, being able to fight them face to face. I don't know. I think there's hidden in the, in the DNA of the, of the Bourne movies, uh, an acknowledgement of America feeling like we've kind of lost our way and, and fighting through the fog to decide who our actual enemies are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. Like, and uh, I think, I think I really like that uh, kind of analysis. I love Jason Bourne. Yeah. I really do. He's, <laughs> he's like, he's like top shelf hero for me. 
I got it. I I feel bad that I haven't seen Ultimatum. You know that I haven't gone back and like really investigated like how the trilogy ends. But uh, to be honest, like identity and supremacy is all I really fucking need. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 they're both. Even though we're only rating uh, supremacy right now. Uh, I'm I'm gonna hit it. I'm gonna hit the button I have not hit yet in this. Oh, podcast. are we getting a five out of you? This is my five, buddy. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> you can't. How can I? How can I call a movie that I have watched now five times right. just for fun? Right. Watched another four <laughs> times right. to analyze, and I still, <laughs> I still yeah. want to keep it on my shelf, and I still want to watch it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, this is this is my five, buddy. Hell yeah. you uh, I, 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 I like you. I had so much fun watching this. I had a lot of fun watching this. Uh, but like I said, it really lulls at the end after Cox killed himself. And I feel like it should have ended there. Uh, or maybe the something. I don't know. There's something missing for me. So I, I can't quite give it a five. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead with a four, um, because I think a lot of our trade craft is a lot of fun. And and I think, I think, you know, I both had a lot of fun talking about this movie. Um, and, uh, but I don't know, there's just something about after, after Cox kills himself, I, it just kind of, you lose interest. Yeah. I was like the, the movie should have ended there somewhere or they should have tied up the loose ends Different. We didn't need another car chase scene. You know what I mean? Even though it was great, it was fun. It, you didn't need it. So either stuff should have happened before Cox killed himself, or the 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 loose end should have been tied up a little bit differently towards the end. I I don't know. I I kind of I, I kind of was done. Yeah. But so I'm I'm giving this a four because I highly recommend this movie, and I think you'll have a lot of fun watching it. All right, I'm just checking your previous ratings too. So you're rating it uh, alongside Munich. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, whereas your 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 four point fives, those are uh, a most wanted man and and Miss Sloan, and those those absolutely those absolutely no, no yeah no. those sound those sound right. I think absolutely. You, I think you're on solid ground. Like if you if you're looking for that intricate like uh, chess piece play. You're no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah I, I totally respect where you're coming from on that. Yeah. <laughs> and let's redact this baby. My number three best. Just overall, the pure professionalism and proficiency and reach of the CIA and international intelligence agencies. You know, it's just really nice to see. Uh, the adversary working at such a high level and and a believable level. That's right. that's just that's it's just great. My number two best planning the meeting in Alexander Platt. You no, know, because he knows that the demonstration is coming, and secondarily mm-hmm. choosing Nikki when that option arises as the person that he's going to meet. That's that's my best number two tradecraft. My number one. Is the way he isolates Pamela Landy's hotel room, uh, especially by making that fake call, which, you know, he could have done it 
the easy way, but then that would alert her. But placing the fake call just, well, maybe, you know, if she was really on her toes. Yeah. Which, she sh- which being a deputy director, she should be, right? Yeah, well, it's still my number one best. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's hear about your best. Uh, my number three was the toaster explosion. It, it was super fun to watch. Uh, my number two was uh, Born choosing Nikki uh, out of the entire team because she's probably the m- most reliable source of information for Treadstone um, because she probably doesn't have an agenda. And on top of that, she probably has some amount of empathy for you know the, the Born types in the Treadstone operation. Uh, my number one... Uh, encompasses the entire tracing from the airport where he hands his real passport at Naples all the way down to the phone call that you pointed out to your number one. But it, it really hinges on him not just kicking down a door. He just patiently, each step of the way, gains more and more information before he like in, uh, opens up negotiations. And and I, and I think that was really, really cool. Absolutely. Uh, my worst number three, easily, I, 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 it's, it's such a quibble, but, like, don't route $20 million of CIA money through Moscow of all fucking places. Uh, <laughs> my number two worst, which might be on a little bit more solid ground, I don't buy the whole fingerprint thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes for a great story. It drives the engine of the story. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm never going to believe that the CIA forensics experts can't tell the difference between a fingerprint that, uh, you know, someone put there and and one that was placed there by tape. My number one worst, even though I, I think you accurately punched a couple holes in this one but uh you know it's where i came to it with uh you know uh, they should no i searched... think you have a really good point with it i mean yeah. they should have they should have searched born yeah uh or or taken his stuff away in naples um you know because that would have make made his whole plan like kind of fall apart right <laughs> but uh but but i i respect your i i respect our discussion that we had about like how that actually, you know, might have made sense. And also, especially, you know, if it's true that, you know, he specifically chose Naples because he could have chosen any country right. that he wanted in the entire European Union. So what I like to think now is that he chose Naples because he knew what their security protocols were. Yeah, that's, yeah. It, it's a good point, you know. Uh, I, I think I could go either way, you know, and I think that's why it was a good discussion. So like, don't, you know, I, I, I think that's a good number one. Cause that would have, that would have, that would have shut everything down. <laughs> but like you said, I'm sure he had a, he had like a chess piece up his sleeve somewhere, you know, if, if that didn't work out my worst, uh, my number three was, uh, um, Conklin's assistant trusting, uh, Abbott. That's still kind of shaky for me. I, w- I would have thought there would have been some other protocol or that he would have trusted. I don't know. It's tough for me, but that's what got him killed. So whatever. Uh, my number two was born going to the hotel. Um, again, writing wise, I think it's very important and it really helped the development of his character. However, I think the Jason Bourne character would have found another way into that room. 
my my number one though is like the whole chain of command and team and headquarters setting up their office in front of these broad open windows that <laughs> anywhere anywhere anybody could see and i feel like this would not be protocol in real life i i feel like dude put up some blinds get some tinting find a warehouse somewhere it's it just it just but you know then again i don't know that we really would have had a movie so how you want to redact this one uh with a low rating meaning uh very highly realistic spy movie and a and a and a high number between one and five. So I know our redaction documentary. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. Um, a trustworthy documentary. Right, you yeah, to, yeah. Get a five. Yeah, yeah. Or or like I guess C-SPAN would put us at like a point five or something. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. This is a kind of a tough one. I don't think it's uber realistic, right? I th- I think there's enough like uh, it's a weird fantastic moment. It's a, it's, a, right? it's a weird mix. F- fan- there's a lot of fantastical moments, right? But they're not crazy out there, like you know, Bond or like especially not Army and Flint, right? Um, but I think it might be more realistic than the man who knew too much. Like the operations that are that are played, like okay, maybe maybe the Carl Urban thing is 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 iffy, but uh, definitely like the way that the CIA plays their their thing out, right, is is like super super good, right. Solid. Well, I mean, like let's let's look at it this way. You know, we put sure. Miss Sloan as a two. Yeah, we put the Good Shepherd at a two. Um, and then we put the man who knew too much at a three. So I think it's more realistic than the man who knew too much. And I think it's less realistic than the good shepherd or Miss Sloan. So I think a 2.5 sounds really good. That's where I'm landing as well. Let's call it 2.5. All right. Sounds good. All right. And that's the end of our show. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at spies underscore like us. Visit us on our website at www.spieslikeus.net. You know, find out about upcoming episodes. Also, what will really help us out is if you give us a review on wherever you found our podcast, either on iTunes or your Android app or YouTube or wherever you listen to us. Uh, even if you didn't like the show, just give us a review. It'll help us give us feedback so we can make the show better. And it can also help other people who haven't found the show yet find out about us. Hey, Moira, initiate Protocol 9. Protocol 9 initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.